In this episode of Multi New Media, we'll be looking at uniquely tracking you, or rather your computer. We'll talk about how this is done and why companies may want to harness this information. I'm Chase Raz, a university instructor and corporate trainer. I'm Chris Ayers, a solution architect and principal consultant. And we're Multi New Media, your business technology advisors. This is Multinew Media. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Good, good. And what do we want to start with today? Well, today's topic ties directly into the buzzword bingo, you know, term of the day, uh, personalization. Personalization. So let me interrupt you. We're going to be talking about tracking. So how does personalization, I feel like I'm asking a dumb question, how does personalization match with uh, tracking? Well, if you want to personalize something, you have to know who someone is. So if you track who they are, then you can customize their experience when they come back or during that same visit. And I think this goes into the buzzword bingo category because we're not talking about the obvious here, are we? We're not talking about somebody going in and creating a username and saying, here, look, at the at, every time I log into Google, I want a pretty background. Yeah. Um, we are talking about that, but at the same time, we're also looking at what types of personalization are companies doing for you on your behalf with advertising and other things when you're not logging in, when you're not even clicking, hey, remember this about me. Exactly. But it, it, they all fall under the umbrella term of personalization, customization, stuff like that. But um, it's definitely um, a buzzword that, that gets brought up and, and is actually a very, very hot topic right now. So it, it's very germane to the issue. Now, so why is it such a hot topic right now as opposed to at any other point in history? Well, I think part of it is the capabilities of technology where you're starting to do the, the data warehousing and you're taking massive amounts of data and you're, you're combing through it with machine learning and, and analysis, trying to find patterns, trying to find, oh, people, when they shop, they want to maybe buy this with that. So the recommendation engines, um, if like you always eat at a restaurant and you're always getting um, – vegetable options and and, and avoiding meat, maybe they start promoting and advertising to you vegetarian dishes. If you routinely buy things for small children, maybe you start seeing ads targeting toys. Like like it's linking these things together and using that to personalize content for that persona or that, you know, what you know about that person. Ah, I like that. You know, we used to sit down and watch a video of um, stores and see which pe- way people walked in a particular layout. And you, I'm sure we all know the whole thing. More people walk to the right than to the left. But what you're talking about is looking and not just saying, okay, well, who are the outliers? Who walked straight ahead? Who walked to the left? Who did something else? But then being able to identify and personalize the experience for that person to, to, to some effect. But first, you have to know who they are. And that's where tracking comes in. All right. So let's get into the core of the episode then and we'll move in or rather away from buzzword bingo, a personalization to see how much this comes up. But let's start. Chris, what is tracking? I mean, I know about cookies. 
I know about sessions. I know about that type of stuff with a website, but I, I know that, um, and you just told me this before we started recording, that stuff is just the tip of the iceberg. Right. So the most basic tracking system might be um, people have accounts. They log in. You, you can log or put in a database or write to a file. Just keep track of in some way. This person logged in. This user account did this post, bought this item, did this thing. You you can now track what that one user did by user account. Now, then you can take it a step further. When someone logs in, they're logged in for a session. So now you can keep track of what they did for that session and maybe how many sessions they've had. So how often do they hit your site? How often do they log in? How often do they interact? How long do they stay? What do they do during that stay? Do they leave and then come back? Um, you, you can you can track that stuff, but mainly you have to write it down. So um, either adding some sort of tool to help with the tracking, or or have custom code that that takes care of that for you. But, let me let me unpack all of that for a moment because sure. it's the starting point of we all know that if somebody logs in, we can drop a cookie on their system and, and a lot of our web software that runs our e-commerce or our website does this. And that way we can kind of track that user how they how when they interact with the site. But the session idea, the session is present in your web browser no matter what you're doing. So even if you don't log in, you know, a lot of people ask, okay, how does somebody like Amazon or any of these other e-commerce sites, how do I add a whole bunch of stuff to my cart and I'm not logged in, but as soon as I log in, it's there again. Um, and, and that's because they're taking session information, linking it to a cookie, and then when you log in, rectifying all of that on the back end. So Correct. we're even talking about, and, and, and this is still the tip of the iceberg, right? This is why I'm why I'm highlighting this so much, being able to uniquely identify somebody after the fact or tie some information in with an account that's still this entry level the the rabbit hole goes so much deeper doesn't it right and and like i said a lot of it is you need to write it down it needs to be stored in some system somewhere in order to make use of the data um and a lot of times, and, and this is where you, you get the the Facebooks and, and the, the Googles where they've generated this massive amount of data about you and are selling it or sharing it. That's where this comes in. So each computer on the internet has an IP address associated with it. Um, you can, your, the web servers that serve up websites can see what IP addresses are are hitting their websites and they have services out there called geolocator services where you can give it an IP and it can like nail it down to like a neighborhood. So you can see which areas of the country are hitting your site. Um, there's a thing associated with, with web traffic called a referrer, uh, an HTTP referrer. And so if you're, you search for a website or a topic on Google and you see a link and you click on the link, when you load that new web page, that there'll be a little bit of information that comes along that says that you came from Google. Or maybe they emailed you as part of a marketing campaign and you click the link in your email and, and then you go to their website, they can see that you came from their email link. <laughs> and then they can see, oh, he's using Gmail or he's using really Hotmail or 
Anybody should really know that. And I'll, I'll tell you, every time I do anything with a client or with work, if I've been goofing off, like checking personal email or reading news stories, maybe it's even on my break, right? I'm not even, I'm not even really meaning goofing off. But right. if I'm going to do that, I will close my browser and come back up so that HTTP referrer is um, uh, blank, so to speak, because I don't want a whole bunch of data associated with me for clients and work and whatnot saying, oh, he just came from, you know, newsoftheday.com or something like that. I hope that's not a real site, but well, especially hope it's a, it's an above the board site if it does exist. But that type of of thing exists but but what's all basic but what is this stuff I keep hearing about about a computer's fingerprint of being able to identify me even if I'm not logged in even if I uh, don't have an account I know I'm jumping over a lot of stuff like how well there's one more thing that that's kind of co- interesting which you kind of touched on with cookies they have these things called kind of super cookies <laughs> which they're designed by all the nefarious guys out there trying to track you. Uh, um, they had the the one pixel images that you know they would have um, special scripts that would download when you hit web pages, and it would run JavaScript, and it would send back cookies and send back information about you. There, there's all sorts of things out there, and, and like you said, there's also fingerprinting. So. Let's say you don't accept cookies and you don't download scripts and you 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 don't do a lot of stuff. So basically your web experience is broken at that point, but hypothetically, okay. There's still information that can be gathered about you. When you load a web page and um, you know, JavaScript or even the way requests work, it you, you send along something called a user agent so we know the type of browser you're using a lot of times that will have your operating system in it so we'll know if you're on a mac or a windows machine or if you're on a mobile device Uh, you can get the screen size which which can tell you if it's a mobile device and the screen size you can tell what type of device it is you can get kind of a class of devices like if it's a 1080p screen or if it's, it's something smaller you can tell if maybe they're on a portable laptop or maybe on a desktop they can then combine that with kind of the fonts you have installed on your machine. Like it, it gets kind of crazy, and, and they can use all these little bits of information: your IP address, your browser, your operating system, the fonts you have, uh, some extensions. Like if you have Flash or Java still installed, um, all of these things together can kind of just uniquely identify you, even if you don't accept cookies and send them back and stuff. And so that's what's meant when somebody's talking about your device's unique signature or unique fingerprint. It's kind of whoever's on the other end looking at this HTTP header request is kind of sniffing out your system as much as as made possible by how the web works and saying, look, I can I may not know that you're John Smith, but I know that you're a unique computer out there in the world. But see, the where John Smith is, is is where we fit in where we give away information and where we fill in the missing blanks. Like you said, um, you, you don't, you're not logged in. You, you go to Amazon, you add some things to your cart, but then you log in or then you make a purchase. Um, you now provide your name, you provide your address. So, so it starts to associate the device you were just on with your name and your address. And then they associate that with purchases. And if you, if Amazon has relationships with other providers, for instance, 
they can go, hey, we get some traffic from this IP. Do you have any traffic from that IP? Why don't we see an overall picture of what they were doing online between our companies? Yeah. Or, or um, this is where Google and, and Facebook and all that come in. Sometimes people buy information, buy marketing data that, you know, maybe the last four of their credit card were this because they made these purchases at a gas station or the grocery store or they signed up for a loyalty card with, you know, Wendy's or something. And all of those go into databases and you can usually get access to them or you can build your own based on what you do. But as soon as they start putting in their phone numbers and their email addresses and their, you know, their names, that's where you you start putting it together to a picture of what your your customers are or what they like. But this is where you get in the realm of PII, personally identifiable, personally identifiable information. And you have to treat it very carefully. Um, both both individually as a personal, <laughs> as an individual, you have to treat it carefully. But as a business, yeah. you're also legally required uh, in a lot of jurisdictions to treat that information carefully. And this is where that new GDPR stuff comes out. Absolutely. It comes across. So it all kind of ties back to that. I think this is something that not a lot of people just intuitively get maybe even inside of marketing or even inside of development is the idea that, you know, we use things like Facebook ads and Google ads uh, or anything else, right? It doesn't have to be advertising. And we see this non-identifiable information. But what's happening behind the scenes is these or are these B2B connections where information is being sold or exchanged and you can kind of look at that computer fingerprint and say, oh, wait a second, I see that this fingerprint was browsing X, Y, and Z website uh, and I can see that using some type of super cookie or tracking pixel, but at the same time, I see from the information I bought that that's also a customer of you know, some social network or a subscriber to some social network and you get all of this information. Now, does it get nefarious or is pretty much everything above the board well i'm sure it gets nefarious but (laughs) i mean that's why gdpr came around the the right to privacy and the right to know what they have on you but so (laughs) here's where it gets a little weird um there are services out there um that can show you the user session. So when you install some of these little JavaScript um, scripts into your web page, um, you can see where they click, where they scroll, where they move their mouse, how long they stay at each spot, how they type into the fields. Like it, it's almost like you're recording their screen while they're interacting with the web page. Yeah, and but- it can and it can do this for mobile or desktop. <laughs> And that's that's a scary part because, you know, the browser's doing that in order to operate. And then we uh, get access to that through JavaScript. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, we even get a little bit of access to that. Like CSS will even give you access to the screen size and the resolution of a particular device. So we get access to that in order to make a website work. And then we can we can uh, change the purpose in any way we want. And I think that's kind of le- where we're at right now. It seems like we're talking about some of the things we can do with this tracking. And, you right. know, from my point of view, I know we can look at unique hits and, and bounce rates and return visits and completions on conversion. But w- what is it beyond these traditional Google analytics and advertisement analytics? What are we doing with some of this information beyond that? Well, well like, like you touched on the marketing aspect, 
uh, designing the marketing funnel, which another buzzword bingo. That one's for free. <laughs> We're um, going to have to put that one in on another day. I'm building up to it. I want to do a funnel episode. And we should. Um, essentially, you know, a certain number of people find your website, a smaller number of people access your website, smaller number of people than that click on stuff, smaller percentage buy stuff, and then smaller percentage of that completes their order. So there's that funnel. And, and so you can, you can see how they interact with the site or, or where they're, what they're adding, what they're not adding, what they're buying and getting statistics on the things that work. You can, of course, like I said, with the basics, do geolocation. So you can see what area the, the country is buying what. Um, like I said with the personalization example, if I know that you really like a good steak or, or um, are consistently buying like keto or, 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 or bacon or stuff like that, when you hit a website, I might pop up ads for you. You've been looking at my search history again. See, (laughs) it's like, I know you, (laughs) I I build up a persona about who you are and then I'm targeting the things that I think you'll like directly at you. But then, and so there's a higher chance that you'll buy them or, or, or interact with them. Right, right. So you're, you're basically saying, look, um, if you're trying to come up with different personas and different segments, you see that somebody's targeting words like bacon or keto or something like that. And you can lump them into this category and know a certain set of behaviors to take. Um, but yeah, that all, yeah. But one thing that kind of creeped me out that you mentioned in passing, and I know you're coming back to it, but let's put it here. You talked about being able to see where people are clicking. You can almost it's not literal recording, but knowing where somebody's mouse is on. uh, We've we've relied on that information in the analytics space for a long time. Uh, Things like heat maps and, and all of that. But 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 those you had to write like you had to go to a special testing facility or you had to work with a special group that would would generate heat maps for you it wasn't just super easy just to put on your website and boom you get them for everybody i mean they've started you know google analytics and some of those but they're all using these same type of techniques yeah and it's been a long time admittedly since i've used heat map software uh, but I wanted to brush up on it really quickly, so I did a search, just heat map software. And um, this field is is rather um, crowded now. It seems like a lot of people are in this game. I, I don't know if anybody's particularly in the space of being able to track what's going on with mobile very well, because you've got to uh, have a I've whole different it. set of per, um, permissions in order to you know track somebody's eyeballs. So, yeah, yeah you... you- you can't track their eyeballs very much, but what you can do is see how they're scrolling. You can see where they're, they're you know, like above the fold. You can see where they're clicking. Um, so one of the ones I came across was like Hotjar and, and some of those other ones like that that mainly focus on the heat maps. Now at work, we actually use a thing called Full Story. And Full Story does have some free tiers, but the pro tiers are like $200 a month. Um, this this software is kind of crazy to me. You can look for events. You can look for um, IPs. You can look for like ev- events that you've tagged, like they purchased something. But when you bring it up, uh, you see a screen that looks like their mobile app. And you see a little dot to show where they – 
where they scroll and where they click and as they type in stuff it'll kind of gray out their names like it it's really cool so that's on a user by user basis yeah that seems really invasive and, and a almost... session by session basis ah. and then you can break it down by by like who purchased or what 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 area of the company or country what what time of day in that case i honestly feel like maybe this is just my own ignorance and, and why we're doing this episode but I kind of feel like that is information in isolation. I'm not quite sure how much that would be useful to, let's say, a marketer. That does feel very targeted as if you're working with one particular individual at that point. What What is the advantage of doing, uh, of looking at that scrolling behavior one person at a time? That just seems like very resource expensive. Yes, uh, we... We support a an e-commerce platform so we can see where there's failures and in, in sales and and in, in interactions in the site and we can we can go and find the session that couldn't make a purchase oh. and we can see how they interacted with the site. If someone's on it for a really long time, we can we can go and look at, at what they're doing and see if they're being malicious or see if there's a a, a click you know, you know like a path through the site we need to optimize so it's you're a better me, experience you're telling me for the people like me and um this is a revelation to me at the moment because for the people like me who if i ever do uh decide to order a pizza or something online and i'm not going the keto route um if i'm doing that i am notorious for taking forever to do it i mean i will take an hour to order a pizza online so you what? need to you mean uh, I'll explain later if you want. You mean to tell me that I'm that case that somebody's going, wait a second, this is strange. What's the problem? And so they're watching me click back and forth between, you know, 10 different options. Well, it can be. Uh, we also pair um, full story with Opinion Labs, um, which is a different thing for, for customer feedback. Yeah. But but you can associate all those and things. And Opinion Labs <laughs> is the one that ties a sentiment to uh, stuff, correct? Yeah, but you, I mean, you can roll your own using, you know, machine learning and analytics, Google and Amazon and Microsoft all do sentiment analysis. Uh, Just, I mean, if you think about just what I've said, you know, if you have session and and IP tracking and you combine that with an account where maybe they're making orders of some kind and you you do full story so you can see every interaction the user makes – and, and opinion labs and get their personal feedback, like you can get a really clear picture of how people are interacting with your site and what they're doing with it. When we talk about the security aspects of this, um, marketing, I, I think, is a really clear case. But look, what is somebody using my information for other than than marketing? Why is why are, you know, political groups and all of that? Why are they after this information? Uh, why do they care that it takes me an hour to order a pizza online? I mean, there's lots of things in the news about how they've used your data from Facebook and uh, and and other services. I mean, they there were breaches at, at at Target and I think Home Depot, and and they were able to get like your purchase histories and, and information about you, and they could get your address and if you made an order somewhere or you they breached Equifax, they could have gotten some of your your income information and tried to tell. I mean, this was the nefarious side, very nefarious hacker side. Um, you know, tell your price bracket and kind of your income level. But that build that just adds to that persona for those those nefarious people. The semi-legitimate ones that use it, um, they will buy marketing data that that shows you those loyalty programs, that shows you the 
places you've lived and the the things you buy and they can use that to target ads at you so the political ads going oh you're right leaning and maybe we want you to vote for this this uh, amendment or or this um law that will help so, our business so even on the us. nefarious side you know it seems to be marketing if, if i'm understanding correctly it seems like this is all broken down into two categories of what we can do with this one we can fish for this personal information and get this information so that we can perform identity theft and and create yeah. new credit cards and access to capital or on the other side we can go marketing and even that has a breakout of are we trying to exploit people or are we trying to provide value add now above the board we're providing value add hopefully yeah you're trying to give people the items and the information that they're interested in and that they would want um the more nefarious side is we're trying to change your mind maybe about something to help us in some way so right. maybe they're targeting ads and and or identify and, you're vulnerable for a scam or this that or the other yes but if if somebody's interested in this topic, if if somebody's thinking right now, okay, I've got a website. I think most people who listen to this show probably do. I've got a website or I've got a business. What can we do to start tracking? You mentioned a couple of different tools like Full Story and Hotjar and even Opinion Labs. Even though it's not necessarily tracking, it's more customer experience. Um, I would start with Google Analytics. Now, how so? Because I'd imagine most of us are already there. What part of Google Analytics would you you know, suggest people to look at? Well, if, if you're just doing your own site, um, I would recommend going through and, and, and adding, you know, tags, tagging the events and, and the, the interactions so that you can make more sense of, of how people are interacting with your stuff instead of just page view, page view, page view. Right, and that way you can start setting up some campaigns and start checking conversions and all of that. Correct. That that that's. It's easy to just add Google Analytics. It it takes a very little bit of work to start actually, um, exp, you know, not exploiting it, but but taking full advantage of of what the system has to offer, to start giving you some insights into things like that. Um, if you if you have accounts on your site. Um, something that some a lot of people like are are being able to like save things or have favorites or see their recent history and and just by providing that accounts and recent histories and things like that to your users you can also use that to say oh we, our top 10% of our users do these things maybe yeah. we should make those things easier to do Right. I, I like that. Uh, I'm going to add one in here. So you talked about Google Analytics and then leveraging the information you already have on your site um, with accounts and, and members. But I'm going to add the Facebook Pixel in with that. And the, yeah. And, and the reason for that is Facebook Pixel, by the way, being named Pixel is named in honor of those one pixel tracking super cookies that you mentioned before. And that's essentially what Facebook is doing. As soon as you hit a website, you may never even know that that web developer or that website itself is in partnership in any way, form or fashion with Facebook. And they're really not. They're just using analytics code. And so that little Facebook Pixel loads and Facebook gets the data and is reporting back to the website how many people are visiting, 
Where are they coming from? All of that analytical data. But over time, Facebook takes the information they have on you and about all of their user base and will actually provide back to the site owner demographic statistics like um, the geographical locations of where people visit from, whether they're likely to be you know, middle-aged or young or elderly, all that type of demographic information, Facebook will piece together just like Google does, but through different mechanisms. And it's wonderful to compare what Google Analytics comes up with as as opposed to the Facebook pixel. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would suggest, um, instead of accounts where maybe you're having to maintain your own user accounts and stuff, there's a thing called, um, OAuth or open ID. It's where you allow people to log in with their Facebook accounts or their Twitter accounts. And, and you can get, um, you know, you can get a little bit of information from that as well. Like, oh, here's our other account just to learn more about your users if if you are trying to, to do more targeted uh, advertising. Yeah, all of those one-click logins are great. And you do have to kind of target them a little bit. I mean, you can get those from Facebook and Google and Microsoft and, and Citrix and IBM. You can get those from so many different places that you really have to target the type of information you're looking to collect. If you're looking... Um, you know, if you put a web series out on YouTube, you probably don't want people logging in through, you know, their their Citrix account or their Oracle, you know, something like that. Um, right. You'd you're, you'd be looking more at Google or Facebook, but so there are options out there for that OAuth and OpenID and and one click login type of stuff. And the information you get varies, but I, I like that idea as well. What about for the people who are wanting to deep dive? What if somebody's looking at this going, yeah, but I, I have all of that and I feel it's fairly well leveraged. Is that the point when they start getting into heat maps and some of this, what we've been referring to loosely as recording? Yeah, it's also where you put all the data in one place if you can. Uh, session data, um, interactions with the website, you know, you take all the interaction logs and IPs and put it all into a data warehouse or, or something. But this is where you're starting to get uh, more enterprise level data analysis and machine learning and you're starting to try to find patterns in that data yeah yeah and i think at that point somebody really needs to be concerned with gdpr and other international yes. laws about making sure the privacy um, policies are in place making sure that people are are very aware of what's being collected and that they're opting in to as much of that collection as is required to be disclosed by law i'll put it that way Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, that's that's where GDPR experts may come into play a little bit. So while I was doing some research for this uh, podcast, I did come across one interesting uh, little tool that I thought was a little enlightening just to try to show you about your browser fingerprint. Uh, now, Chase, you tried it. What did you think? I did. This um, You're talking about the one from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the EFF? Yes, it's a tool called uh, Panopticlick, and it it tracks your browser, and, and it goes through and it kind of shows you all the the ways that your un- they determine your browser u- uniqueness, and yeah. they show like the installed fonts and the screen size, and all those sorts of things. So I absolutely love this. And by the way, you don't have to worry about spelling Panopticlick if you're listening. I'll put it in the show notes, and you can just click through. Um, 
from from the show notes for this episode. But I, I loved this tool. I, this is the type of stuff that I really wanted to learn more about. And the reason that we're having this particular episode, and I think this is beneficial for so many people out there. When you first run this tool, it basically looks at your browser and says, hey, is your browser blocking tracking ads, invisible trackers, and all these other types of trackers? And then it, um, one of the final boxes before you can look at more information says, does your browser protect from fingerprinting, which is the, the topic we talked about earlier of using the fonts and screen resolution and everything else. What I found to be most impressive, and you and I compared this, I'm going to read a statement directly under this report. It says, your browser, talking about my browser here and yours as well, your browser fingerprint appears to be unique among basically one and a half million tested so far. So that means that, Chris, you can be identified, that I can be identified uniquely based on this fingerprint that's looking at everything you talked about how my browser functions, what time zone I'm in, the system fonts I have installed, the user agent that I'm using, um, whether there's touch support enabled on my device, all of that's going in and creating this unique fingerprint. I, I just, I think the idea is is beautiful and scary at the same time. Well, it goes, be- it goes beyond that. Like even Windows 10 has a built-in advertising ID. Yeah. That the apps can access and and see what you've bought in them, like Microsoft Store. If you're on your iPad or or iPhone, uh, and go to the App Store, it'll have recommendations for you based on other purchases and they're you know like the genius recommendations and stuff, which are like building this persona about you. So they 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 track this stuff and and they use it to for recommendation engines. Well, and I think the difference between a fingerprint though, like I, yeah, for instance, I keep my, uh, I keep my advertising ID on in windows 10 because if I am going to experience an ad, let's say in the Microsoft store, I want it to be catered to me. I want it to know what I'm likely to procure. I don't want to have to spend a whole bunch of time looking through stuff that I'll never utilize. But here we're talking about, even if you turn that stuff off simply by using your device and connecting to the internet and hitting a remote server, you can be not uniquely identified without any other information, but eventually with enough information, um, compared across different sites and logins, you could be uniquely identified. And and this does bring up the topic. Do you want, I mean, we kind of have to face it. We're surrounded by ads and and half of business is having the right, the right pitch to the right people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as a business person, you want good advertising. You, you don't want to be paying for views and and uh, you know ad views and clicks that, that don't mean anything that have no chance of conversion. And as a user, you don't like ads. No one does. They don't like commercials. They don't like ads, except for the Super Bowl ones. People love those. But <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna have to be surrounded by ads, you at least want them to be maybe relevant. <laughs> yeah, and that's a big. <laughs> Part of this discussion is, you know, people have started to soften their view on ads and become okay with them because they're so well targeted. Um, Maybe that's just at least high tech people who kind of know the given trade that they're what they're giving up and, and what they're getting back in return. 
and I, I don't know. I mean, there are certain times I'll block ads and there are other times I won't. But it's it's that trade off that I think people and businesses are both we're, we're grappling and governments we're grappling with this right now, trying to understand what's the correct level of usage of this information. But it's it's undeniable that somebody can identify uh, one unique device from another out there. That's that's just mind boggling for a lot of people, I think, even who are fairly well in the know uh, within development and marketing. Yeah. So we we really want to start wrapping this episode up right now because I feel like we've accomplished our goal today, which if if it seems unclear, has been to introduce this topic and to identify what we can do if we want to start getting involved in this, whether from the security side or from the marketing side or the development side. And Chris, I liked your recommendations before of if all things being equal, if you've got a website or a mobile application, the first place to really start is make sure you're leveraging Google Analytics and Facebook Pixel and your accounts, the stuff you already have access to. Make sure you're leveraging that to the highest possible degree. Right. Store or, you know, record or store the data as in the proper legal manners, you know, with, with security and all that. But if track that stuff if if you already have analytics turned on go look at it like don't just have it for the sake of having it go look at it maybe try different reports try different filters try looking at it in different ways to see if you can get some insight into how to uh, get better conversions or get more traffic see where your traffic's coming in from maybe that's where you should spend your ad money because that's obviously working for you. Or maybe you ran a different ad there. It was bigger or, you know, you just got to look at your unique situation, but you need to, to pay attention to what you have. It's almost like a lot of the development topics we've, we've discussed on this show that, yeah, a lot of people are interested in the marketing aspect of this fingerprinting, but we don't stop to think, look, somebody out there has already done a lot of this work for you. If you're not leveraging what they've done to the fullest extent, why would you go and build, um, you know, something new on top of that, that's kind of either reinventing the wheel or worse, not even going to any effect. So in that idea, that's where we're coming from with Google Analytics and Facebook. But I think this topic will come back to us in the future as we can go down several paths with it now. The the first is making sure our information is secure. So there's the um, security aspect, but also development and marketing. I, I really just think this is something we'll be coming back to at multiple times in the future. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and and consider it a wrap for this episode. If anybody has any questions for us, if you feel there's something we left out in this episode of introducing tracking and what you can do with tracking and how you might get started with tracking, or rather if you have already started, how you can step up to the next level with it. If you feel we've missed anything, reach out to us, feedback at multinewmedia.com, and you can always check out the show notes for this episode. You don't have to bother going around and, and typing in everything we mentioned in this episode. Just go to multinewmedia.com and check out the episode 105 page. That's where all the links will be. You don't take an hour to order pizzas online? No. It takes me an hour because I cannot make up uh, a decision when I'm looking at the difference of do I want pizza or wings or salad? And how much do I want to spend? Do I want all three to buy small versions of all three? I, I'm just, I'm crazy about it. Don't, I don't spend that that long of thinking about it. But I also remember reading somewhere that, like, if you are at a restaurant and you order food, 
and then you sit there staring at the menu after you've already decided you are unhappy with your meal because you're sitting there second guessing it. In the big scheme of things, is having the pizza or the wings that big of a life changing decision? No, not really. No, not really. But in buffalo versus garlic really. versus right, come on, you got all those choices. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.